Hello, everyone. Welcome to Friday Night Stripes. Don here. Uh, this morning, I've got on with me Dr. Bruce Maurer uh, from Ohio. Uh, welcome, Dr. Maurer. Good to be here. Yeah, so um, appreciate you joining. Uh, we had, um, through through a lot of the conversations I've been having with various officials, the Ohio Gold Book kept coming up as a uh, as a reference um, that that obviously all of Ohio uses and and others in other states look at for for guidance as well. Um, so uh, in in trying to find who to talk to on that, I was pointed in your direction. So I appreciate your time this morning. I enjoyed, uh, yeah, we've enjoyed putting it together and uh, we believe very strongly in the gold book and, you know, the uh, material and the content that's in it. Well, great. Before we jump into the gold book, uh, would you tell me a little bit about how you got into officiating and, and your, your officiating career, your journey to this point? Sure. Uh, I was an undergrad at the University of Illinois in Champaign. Uh, I was out scouting a, uh, one of the other uh, fraternity uh, touch football teams uh, one afternoon, and uh, Ben McGuire, who was uh, assistant director, asked me if I might be interested in officiating. And uh, he said you could make some money, and so I was looking for some, uh, some beer money. So uh, I went ahead and gave it a shot, and uh, so I did some touch football and did, did some uh, intramural basketball as well. And then when I came to Ohio State, uh, after a master's at the University of Washington um, for my Ph.D., um, I was looking for a you know, part-time job, so I ended up officiating touch football uh, over at the Woody Hayes facility for uh, four nights a week and uh, then took uh, took the test and uh, started officiating like most people, you know, youth football as well as touch football and then moved up the ranks through, uh, you know, middle school, high school and division three, two and one. And then uh, when I was 40 years old, uh was fortunate enough to get the, uh, the letter from the NFL at inviting me to join the NFL. So did that for 15 years. Um, simultaneously, also have done high school and college basketball for the uh, same amount of time, and uh, then picked up lacrosse because when I retired from Ohio State University, I was, uh, to be honest with you, a little bored in the spring and still had those sure. competitive juices. And so I uh, picked up, I became a rookie boys lacrosse official at 65 years old. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I, and and the uh, listeners have have heard me talk about girls lacrosse a little as well. And and when I got into girls lacrosse two years ago, um, somebody had mentioned boys lacrosse, and and one of the girls lacrosse officials were like two totally different sports. They they, they have a stick and a ball and a net, and that's about it. And 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 of course, girls girls lacrosse officials were like boys lacrosse is just legalized assault. That's all it is. So. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Yep. Uh, I haven't, I haven't gotten to see too much, uh, uh, boys lacrosse, but, uh, I, I do enjoy girls lacrosse and, and did it for, for a lot of the same reasons you, you stated is, is it was something good to pick up in the spring. Um, yeah, we've, and, as you know, and, as you know, with the virus, we've, uh, no spring sports. So sure. I missed it this spring. Yep. 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 And then, and, uh, go ahead. Uh, yeah. Then the other thing was, is, uh, when I, uh, about uh, 10, 11 years ago, um, the uh, OSHA, Ohio High School Athletic Association, embarked on a uh, 
a great pathway on behalf of officials and that they reallocated some of the money dealing with uh, the officiating program and uh, they developed a director of development uh, program where there's they hire a uh, part-time consultant in all the sports in Ohio where we uh, uh, that are officiated you know swimming track football basketball baseball lacrosse wrestling etc and so I think it's uh, we have either 13 or 14 different sports in Ohio that are officiated. And so there's a DOD or director of development for each of those sports. And so I applied and was selected as the uh, DOD for football. So that's, that's how that came about, uh, you know, uh, 10, 11 years ago now. Oh, very good. Very good. So let's, let's jump into the gold book. Is that, is that the genesis of the gold book when they develop that position and, and, that idea or or had it come around before then well what what the charge was that i got uh upon uh, uh you know uh you know saying yes to the position was they wanted to standardize mechanics in ohio and you know we have i'm from columbus of course in the center of the state and when you and i worked uh, before i went to the nfl i worked uh, you know playoff games for four years as well and you had the Northeast Ohio, the Cleveland mechanics, you had the Central Ohio or the Columbus mechanics, and you had the Southeast, Southwest Ohio, which was the Cincinnati mechanics, as well as other ones sporadic. So what was interesting is we, in Ohio, we do playoffs by individual person. We don't do crews. And so okay. you could, for example, get uh, three or four uh, officials from different districts, and we have six districts that would get together to form a crew. And so literally you'd spend the entire pregame just trying to decide, okay, what mechanics are we going to use tonight? Sure. And and so it was very frustrating also on behalf of newer officials that were transitioning in because, you know, they take a class. And in Ohio you're required to take a class in order to become an official. And – but they take the class, the that person, that instructor, well, this is the way our crew or this is how we do it here. And then an official would go out and start working with other officials and they would be on totally different pages in terms of, you know, what they were being told to do. As you can imagine, very frustrating. Sure. Sure. Absolutely. So um, how, how long has this been in existence? Has the book been around for 10 years? <laughs> Yeah, this uh, yeah the DOD program has been here uh, ten years, so we're starting our hopefully knock on wood our eleventh year this fall. You know, with uh, hopefully high school football. Okay, and and for those of you for those of you listening who haven't looked at the gold book, it's about fifty pages full of uh, mechanics and 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 uh, rules, philosophies, and and different things and. And I, I actually caught myself after after looking at this price six, eight months ago, I caught myself in conversation with another official referencing the um, there, there's one section in the gold book, the um, on page nine, the if in doubts. Right. Um, and and I, I kept referencing that like it was in the rule book. And I know there are some things in the rule book, but this this was more comprehensive as far as uh, if in doubts. Um, so, so that was one of the ones that I'm like, oh, wait, where, where did I see that? And the, I had to remember that it was, uh, in the, uh, in the gold book, which not everybody is, is aware of. So, um, yeah, those actually, I served as, uh, 
editor of the uh, National Intramural and uh, Rec Sports Association uh, Flag and Touch Football Rulebook for uh, 34 years. And many of those, if and doubts, were originally came about through, uh, you know, watching tens of thousands of, uh, you know, primarily now flag football games, you know, as sure. such. So that's where a lot of those came from. Is that in the uh, in the um, NURSA flag football book? Are there if and doubts in the NURSA flag football book as well? Yes. In fact, we were, you know, many years ago, you, you might, you probably remember better than I do, when Florida adopted uh, girls flag football sure. state championships, uh, at least up until a few years ago, uh, they were using the uh, NURSA flag football book as their, uh, as their rule book. That that's probably where I saw it as well. And and it's all coming together now. <laughs> I, I, I kept referring to it with fellow officials in the area and they're like, I don't know what you're talking about. And then I'd go and look, look in the book, in the, in the NFHS tackle football books and couldn't find them anywhere. So now, now I remember yeah. where they are. So. The other um, thing we do too. Yeah. The other thing we do too with the if and doubts is I think you could literally, if you wanted to, you could probably have half a dozen officials sit around and maybe in an hour come up with 75 or 80 if and doubts. Yeah. But, you know, they tend to lose, to me, their effectiveness. And For so sure. those ones we have in there are kind of the quote-unquote biggies, you know, those types of really big plays you have during the course of a game that you can relate to. But when we're in a teaching mode, either through clinics, camps, you know, observing officials, uh, the if and doubts, as you know, can come in real handy you know in terms of a clarification especially catches and touchbacks safeties kicks etc right right and and i really i i don't want to dive into the if and doubts there's 50 other pages to deal with but uh, it, i i find this page fascinating and just to for everybody who hasn't read it it's things like if in doubt the player is in bounds if in doubt the pass is forward if in doubt the pass near the ground is a catch things like that to to where if you'll just put your mind into these um, defaults, then then and you can react quicker to things and you can make your rulings quicker because we we don't see everything, especially in five man football. We don't see everything. Um, we right. we we're looking in the right area. We we may be doing our mechanics perfectly, and yet we're not going to have necessarily the right angle. So we've got to have something to fall back on. And these are a perfect example. The, and, and the one thing I drew from reading through all these is it treats the goal line as a, I, I, I don't know the best way to put it, but kind of like a, a, a hard barrier. And because all the if and doubts say that if and doubt the ball didn't cross the goal line. And, and it's a, it's a question of, whether it's, you know, a punt near the goal line or whether it's a touchdown or safety, the if in doubt is if in doubt, then it didn't cross. And and I think that's right. a that's a nice default to be in um, because goal lines are important. So we, we want to make sure we saw it in order to call it that way. Well, and two or three of the ones you alluded to, if in doubt, you know, the person, you know, players inbounds, if it doubts a catch, what we want to try to do is, unless it's, and this is from my NFL training, that we use the terms clearly and obviously. So sure. unless you, you clearly and obviously know the player stepped out of bounds, we're going to be positive and say, okay, he's inbound. Same thing with a catch. You know, we're not going to, 
well, I didn't think he catch the, caught the ball, therefore it's incomplete. We're going to say, hey, unless we clearly and obviously have information that the ball hit the ground, we're going to rule it a catch. This is, of course, on the ball near the ground. This isn't the, uh, you know, the catch where the you know, player is airborne. So, but, so that's how we tried to phrase those. Right, right. Um, that, there are a number of things in, in the book. There's, there's uh, a number of things from the schedule before a game, the, from the 30 minutes before all the way through, dictating what should happen on each, uh, during each minute when, when each thing in a pregame routine should happen. What do you find are the um, best learnings for, for officials coming into Ohio that, that have experience elsewhere do, do you find that there are certain parts of the book that, that they're like, okay, well, that's, that's certainly a clarification that I haven't had in the past. Yeah. The, the big thing is, is that uh, what I look at is the, the gold book is, is an, an enhancement of the uh, Federation officials manual in that you can see in that book um, in the gold book, especially the 16 pages that deal with mechanics is the level of specificity that we have. Sure. And my feeling has always been, of course, you know, when, you, when you're in college in the NFL, you get an incredibly high level of scrutiny, and, of course, you know, you're graded. And our feeling is, is that an official should not be, you know, held accountable for something unless it's in writing. And so you're sure. starting off, you have, a, you have a gold book, and you start off, let's say, with the you know, student taking the class and so he has the opportunity to, to read and start to assimilate that information. And then you apply it on the field. Uh, then you get your officials, you know, especially when you're going varsity and then you go into playoffs. And we have 160 observers statewide that go out and watch literally almost every state playoff game we have. And when, when, we, we, when they walk into the locker room or when they're on the, on the, in the stands observing and then they go in the locker room, we only want them to talk about things related to the officiating and the official that are specifically stated in the goal book. It's not fair for an official to go in, you know, halftime or after the game and you have an observer there and he says, well, you know, our crew does such and such, you know, it's taken us a few years to pretty much get rid of that. And when I sit down and observe, and I observe four games every weekend during the playoffs, I don't write anything on the observation sheet unless it's something directly from the gold book. So that level of specificity, for example, if you go to beanbag, you know, it talks about the color, obviously talks about um, the types of plays we throw it. It talks about literally how high to throw the beanbag, et cetera, et cetera. And so the whole idea being is that when you walk out on the field, you can feel very confident because if you have good knowledge of the gold book, and then you've applied the gold book mechanics, you know, you should feel very comfortable regardless of who's there to watch you, you know, who, who's there to watch you officiate. For sure. And it, it does lend that, that, that aura of um, consistency. Um, and, right. and I know that, 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 that is a struggle sometimes um, when, when you're dealing with situations where the state has has what they're looking for. Your local association might do things slightly different, but probably within the state um, guidelines, but they have their way of doing things. And if your observers from a different association within the state, they might have a different way that they do it. And there, there's 
without a state standard uh, like like here, then then you're just going off of what your your local association uh, deals with. Yeah, and especially um, with the, especially how we do playoffs in the beginning. We sure. have five five rounds or five weekends, and they just approved to go to six rounds beginning for 2021. And so I get emails. They'll say, hey, I worked my first state playoff game. I was working with uh, – I had one uh, just a, few, a little while ago. I, I went in to work my first ever state playoff game from the Central – I'm from the Central District. There were three guys there from the Northeast District, and they were all in the same crew. And the other guy was from Toledo in the Northwest District. He said we sat down. We were all on the same page. We all agreed in terms of how we were going to handle things, what we were going to do. And as a result, when I walked out on the field, I felt very comfortable working with these four individuals that I'd never, ever met before in my life. And we had a very good game, and it was very seamless. So that ends up being the, one of the many byproducts. But it's also got to do with the level of consistency because, for example, we have goal line mechanics. And so we have one set of mechanics from the plus 10 to the plus 5 going right. in. And then we have a slightly different mechanic from the plus five going in. And so there again, you know, in every one of these, there's a rationale and a reason why we have that level of specificity. And be honest with you, what the mechanics are, are kind of a mix of high school, college, and NFL mechanics based upon, uh, you know, all the years of experience from all the different officials in the state of Ohio. Sure, sure. So in, in Ohio, um, I know I've talked to a couple different people in Ohio and they seem to have, for the most part, set crews on varsity nights. Um, they've got set crews for, for the year um, in a couple different associations. Um, do, do you know, is that, is that generally the way it goes in, in Ohio for all associations or is it a mixed bag? Here, here in Florida, it's a bit of a mixed bag. Um, in the central sure. Florida area, we don't have set crews. Um, for for during the year, we uh, the 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 assigner just puts officials together uh, as he feels should work certain games. Uh, but then when we go to the playoffs, the playoffs are awarded. Um, you're you're put on a crew one crews one through eight for our area. There are eight crews built, and that's the crew throughout the playoffs. So you get a little bit of consistency there. Um, Sure. How you say? Oh, it sounds like Ohio might be just the exact opposite, which is crews during the season and then individuals put together um, for the playoffs. I assume the crews the same for the play throughout the playoffs. I assume, but I don't know that. Is that the case? Yeah, during during the regular season, what the signers do and everything is we all you know we have signers. The signers are, are hired by the athletic directors for that respective conference and then there's some assigners that do you know that will sign for multiple conferences but what they do is they will they basically uh schedule the crew chief and then the crew chief will then indicate to the assigner who the other officials are on his or her crew um but yeah in most cases with some exceptions almost all of ohio on mostly friday nights and some saturday nights those are all officiated by crews that are together, you know, throughout the entire season. Sure. Sure. And and then during um, then during, then during the playoff, the issue we had, we looked at the scheduling it by crews years ago and occasionally there will be a crew that'll work together. 
But the challenge we run into, for example, is that one of uh, uh, first is is that availability because we have of the sure. of the three hundred or five hundred plus officials who work the playoffs. There's probably seventy or eighty of those who work college football on Saturdays, for example. So then they would be available on Saturday nights, for example, to officiate. And then the other thing you run into too is that if you run into crews. There's most cases, you know, there's very good officials on a crew. There are pretty good officials on a crew and there might be, you know, newer officials on the crew. And so the only challenge you run into is if you hire by crews, then you're in a situation of who's your weakest link as such. And uh, so you run that issue, you know, as well. So it's just a different way. As we know around the nation, probably almost every state, you know, does a little differently. Sure. Sure. Okay. All right. Well, uh, that, that, and, and I find that I find a mix of it across the country uh, of, of how crews are put together and how playoff crews are built. And it, it's really interesting how, how it's just done differently all over the place. Um, right. and especially in a place like Florida where it's done differently, even within the state, um, we do it one way the the association next door might do it a different way. Um, right. Mm-hmm. which, which again leads to, to inconsistency at times. Um, but, whatever each association feels works for them is, is how we go. I, I, I guess. <laughs> mm-hmm. For sure. So, uh, yeah, I, heard, so, I, heard, so, I heard, I heard, in, I heard in Miami, they use orange colored, re- orange colored bean bags. Is that still the case? I actually don't know. I actually had <laughs> not heard that. <laughs> yeah. I know. Uh, so, um, so, one thing I, I like to ask uh, tor- towards the end of each conversation I have is, do you have a play from the last year or, or two that that really stands out as a great teaching play, as something that was either just a little unusual or was a perfect example of how to handle things mechanically? Or do you have anything to talk about as far as a, a specific play? Sure. Yeah, it's, uh, it actually occurred in one of the state playoff games, uh, either I think it was last year, in that there was a bang-bang play in the game, and we had a um, a wing official throw a flag for pass interference. Um, he saw it as um, defensive pass interference. You know, the defensive player clearly played through the man. The back judge had a uh, flag as well, and we always have him give preliminary signals back to the R. And uh, lo and behold, when they got together and talked, uh, fortunately they did get together and talked, um, one had OPI and the other one had DPI. And interesting enough, when we watched it, the tape, uh, you know, days later, sure enough was, you know, the OPI pushed off clearly, clear separation. And then the def- defensive player recovered and then played through the player. And so we ended mm. up really with an offset, which, you know, had some interesting consternation with both coaches as well as the fans <laughs> in the stands. And the joy of the gold book is, is that rather than having to send th- send things through a committee or wait so many years for it to maybe get into the book, uh, when these situations come up, the joy of one, doing the book every year, and two, you know, since we, uh, you know, since it's the book for Ohio, is we just put a mechanic in this coming year, new mechanic that says, anytime we have two flags thrown, especially in an interference situation, 
I'm sorry, let me back up. I'm mistaken on that. Mm -hmm. What we do is we put a thing in this year saying where if one official throws a flag for either OPI or DPI, and if the other official, covering official, does not throw his flag, well, guess what? Now it's required, and we'll, you know our observers will watch it. Those two officials have to come together and talk about it and either decide one way or the other whether to pick up the flag or we're going to go with the flag. So those sure. types of situations we have and interferences, which you know can be very challenging, um, oh, yeah. you know, we're going to cover that. So we put that in right away. We had another thing with, and then we put a great emphasis on our umpires to um, take care of ball handling. We've got a whole section, almost a half a page, just on ball handling. And we're going to enlarge that or widen that responsibility for the umpire this year. And basically from 15 yards behind the line of scrimmage until 20 yards beyond the line of scrimmage, the, uh, especially when the ball's in the side zone, obviously, the umpire's responsible for hustling over getting the ball, picking it up, moving back to the hash mark, uh, spotting it off the backside wing, and then immediately moving out to his his IP or his initial position, which is seven yards deep. So this is the level of specificity. And you say, well, gee, why, you know, the other codes, you know, of course, the wing will spot the ball, you know, when it's in the side zone, and they'll relay a new ball in from the, uh, you know, the ball persons. But we know in high school, if we rate, Ball persons, unfortunately, on a scale of one to ten, when I do clinics, they usually get a rating of either two or three. You know, usually sure. the coach's son or you know, you know, smaller child, et cetera. And so that's another thing we've done in terms of we've looked at all these issues and challenges, and through putting them into the gold book, that's why we don't we don't spot the ball. We just simply we want the umpire handling the ball, and especially nowadays, as you know, with the new advent last year of the forty twenty five second play clock and we know we have to get the ball spotted and within 15 seconds you know on a 40 second play clock you know before it hits 25 otherwise we've got to reset it so we've had this onus so those are some of the things we do to be honest with you over and some of these are minor changes but we average about 17 18 changes in our mechanics every year so wow. we're trying to do is based upon how the game is played and especially with the emphasis on RPO now, run pass option, sure. is we've had to change our our looks and our somewhat of our coverages in order to be able to stay up with what's currently being taught and what's currently being called, you know, with our officials, you know, per se and with the play. I'll give you another example. And as we know, traditionally over the years, umpire, what's he do with the snap? If he reads pass, he moves to the line of scrimmage. If there's an ineligible downfield, you know, he's responsible, center guard tackle, to be able to pick that up. But as you know, with, you know, with all the officiating you do, with RPOs now being so common and quarterbacks rolling either to one side or the other, as soon as when the umpire starts to move laterally and starts to concentrate on the strong side of that rotation, we, miss, we can easily miss things on the backside, especially the sure. backside tackle. And so the last two or three years, we put a huge emphasis, and it's in the gold book, in that we hold the wing, especially the backside wing, as responsible, as in some cases even more so than the umpire on ineligibles downfield. So, again, these are the things that we study, we look at, we talk to our officials, and literally, you know, we, we're literally 
like I said, I think we average probably anywhere from 15 to 18 changes in the gold book mechanics every year to, in order to keep up, you know, with how the game is being played and how the game is being called. Yeah, for sure. And, and I know that's something I had to change um, about two years ago was how I was officiating passing plays, especially with a rolling quarterback. Um, I, I, I had gotten in, in, I don't know whether it was correctly or incorrectly, but I'd gotten to where on a passing play, I would start to drift just a little downfield just to, mm-hmm. just to get ahead and start on it. But then I found myself looking back on a rolling quarterback. He's close to the last scrimmage. I'm nowhere near being able to rule whether he crossed that last scrimmage or not. So I've right. certainly gotten to where in my mechanic, and, and you'd have to tell me how it is in the gold book, on, on a rolling quarterback on a run-pass option, I know that the umpire probably doesn't have a good look at it. Um, and so I, I – tend to stay in place and then once the ball leaves then that just means i've got to work even harder to get in a better position to to rule on a catch sure yeah we still hold the umpire responsible to get to the line of scrimmage if the if the line of scrimmage is threatened by the quarterback but i don't know i think i I worked 50 plus games last year at all levels and i think we had to we had to make that call no call maybe three four times so as you know it doesn't happen that often um, now, you know, like it used to. You know, we also, if the quarterback rolls to one side of the field, we want the uh, uh, umpire in his IP or initial position seven yards deep, and then what he'll do is he'll go he'll go laterally to some degree, not a lot, but laterally in that direction because obviously that's where you're going to have most of the blocking where you could have issues with, uh, you know, holding, et cetera. Sure, sure. Yeah. One last thing I wanted to can bring say, up about. I, oh, go ahead, go ahead. If I could say one more thing, that mm-hmm. the other thing that, that's in the gold book is the mechanics are basically you know A through Z, sixteen pages. Uh, we have other things regarding time schedule, but the other things we have in there, we have five pages on safety policies, you know, that are OSHA related regarding mm-hmm. you know inclement weather, concussions, um, you know, et cetera. Uh, heat, humidity. We also have three pages in there, which are basically the, the to uh, summarize them, the, the regulations for Ohio high school football in terms of, you know, drones, uh, alcohol, bands, uh, halftime, pregame, et cetera. And the whole gist behind the goal book is, is when you go to a game, you basically have three books, for lack of a better term. You have a rule book, Facebook and a gold book. And the idea is that anything that comes up from the standpoint of the officials, questions that the athletic director or coach might have, that they can find the answer in writing in one of those three publications, rules book, case book, or gold book. And if, if there's something in there that they don't have the answer, well, guess what? Guess what we add to the gold book the next year? Yeah, you know, for sure. Two years ago, for, for, for years ago, because we just don't have that much in the fall. We had a tornado warning uh, where we were in spring for a lacrosse game, and I went, holy crap, guess what? We don't have anything in the gold book about tornado warning. Well, guess what? Since you do the book yourself, you know, came uh, come uh, that fall, then we had a tornado warning in there. So that's part of it, uh, disqualifications, scrimmages, uh, timing of games, all that type of stuff is in the gold book so that, 
again, when you go to the site, uh, hopefully, you know, you should be able to answer all of the questions, you know, from one of those three publications. And more importantly, is be able to show it to the athletic director, assistant athletic director, or the head coach in writing. Because, you know, how sometimes people don't want to believe you or they think it's, uh, well, I remember something from three years ago, you know, et cetera, et cetera. Sure. So that's, that's I think, really important on, on for our officials is to have that confidence that, okay, here's the policy. Here it is in writing. Here it is in my book or my bag. Here I take it to the game site. Therefore, I can share it with the appropriate uh, person, school person is needed. So I think that's really important, you know, to have that those resources available for our officials, you know? Yeah. And, and that actually was the exact question I was going to ask is I, I knew that part of the mechanics for Ohio was to have those books available during the game. Um, and, and that it was, would you, would you go, would I, should I go as far as say encouraged and expected that on any question, they, they bring out the book and, and they, they use that to to help explain with the coach? Or is it more expected that we're going to try and have this discussion without the book? And then if, if you're just not convinced, then we're going to give then we're going to pull out the book. A couple of things there. One is, is that uh, especially for varsity games is, is that the crew is required to carry those three books with them onto the field. Sure. And they'll either put them behind the goalpost or under a pylon or occasionally give them to a member of the chain crew. And then, and one of the issues that we have uh, every year is a coach wants to uh, question misapplication or misinterpretation of a rule. Let's say, for example, you know, they enforce a 15 yard holding penalty by mistake and the coach says, Hey, I'm sure that's a 10 yard holding penalty. Or, Hey, I thought defensive holding was a five yard penalty, you know, like for automatic first down, like it is in the pros. And so first and foremost is, and we do this at every one of our state rules meetings is we have slides in there saying, please, we recognize you. We appreciate it. Don't feel embarrassed when the when a coach requests a coach referee conference, we want to encourage those, you know, that communication. And then, then immediately coach explains what he says. The R, the referee, you know, along with at least one other official gives us response. If the coach says, Hey, I don't believe it. Then the next step is very obviously to, you know, to go get the rule book. Now, in addition to that, because I don't know about you, but the challenges in a rule book, 40, 50, 60 page rule book and the case book. Where in the hell is it in the rule book? We know right. the rule, right? But where is it? Because that's a very complex rule book, a lot like lacrosse. And so we did through Marty Matthews, who's one of our officials in Northeast Ohio. He's developed uh, over 335 rule book, uh, rule, rules book index. And literally every time that someone asks me a question about a rule, the first thing I do is go to those. Those, that two-page rules index with those 336 different uh, salutations, and I look to see if I can immediately find it. If I can't, guess what will happen next year? We'll stick it, it in the rules in index. <laughs> and so in the gold book, we have the two-page rules index. What I do is with my, I have, of course, a couple of different rule books. I make Xerox copies front and back of the rules index and just stick it in the rule book because now I can look, okay, an ineligible, illegal touching, whatever that might be. And so we had one game where I was years ago, probably 15 years ago, <clears throat> watching the playoff game, and there was a uh, KCI on a, on a free kick kickoff. 
caught the K1 punted. K3 went down and caught the ball, and uh, they were going to award the ball to K. Incorrectly, obviously, because it's KCI, kick catch interference. And so the coach wanted, he was adamant about, I want you to show me the book. I don't believe you. And the official spent 15 to 20 minutes trying to find it in the book. Oh, no. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And it was, you know, here in Ohio, it was 15, 20 degrees and the wind was blowing, et cetera. And so that's the joy of the rules index. It gives you the opportunity to, one, look at it, find the reference, look it up in the book and show the coach in the book, you know, along that line. So, But the key thing is, is what's interesting is we talk about this in clinics and camps, and I was raised under the old school, which was, um, you know, sell, sell the heck out of the call, show them you're strong, hell or high water, full speed ahead, you know? Right. That, that, otherwise, it's a sign of weakness. And we have one association in northern Ohio, and about three years in a row, they met with this, uh, three or four coaches from different conferences that they they uh, you know officiated for. And the more discussion they had, the coach says, he says, hey, I appreciate it. I think better of the crew that if they get together and talk about a particular situation, catch, no catch. You know, uh, you know, it wasn't interference, wasn't interference. Now, in the old school, the old days, that was always looked as a sign of weakness. Right. But nowadays, it's well, the coaches now. Obviously, if you were on the same crew, we do that six or seven times a game. We've got problems. But if you do it once or twice or three times as needed, even though the coach doesn't agree with your answer, at least he kind of got his due process, his day in court. So I think those things sure. are really important. And I don't know about you, but that rule book to me is so complex. Even after all the years I've officiated, there's sometimes I go into brain dead. It sure makes it a lot easier to get it settled in, even though we don't look good, rather than get in the locker room at halftime or after the game and go, oh, crap. And then you got to live with it for, you know, you know how much we live with those things day after day, week right. after week, sometimes year after year. So, yeah, it's, it's really important, you know, from the standpoint of the coaches to try to communicate with them in a fairly reasonable manner if they'll be reasonable with us. That was a long-winded answer for that. Sorry about that. No, that that was a great answer, and 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 you're right about that index and 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 the uh, and and the rule book it is the the issue is not only finding it, but it there a lot, especially the complex rules are in multiple places, right? The, the different pieces of the rule, different things about it are in multiple places, so it, it's it's not going to be necessarily exactly where, where the definition of the, of the foul is, it's going to be somewhere else, or it, it, it's a number of things. So that, that index, it, it's a great piece. And, and looking at it, it's up to three, almost three pages now. Um, it's, it's, yeah. it's about two and a half, almost three pages. So um, I, I think I'm going to print that out and just have that with uh, as, next to my rule book going forward. Cause it's, it's a nice little resource. Yeah, there's nothing more frustrating than, uh, you know, wherever just you're sitting saying, man, is what's, you know, what's the penalty yardage difference between the illegal touching and, um, you know, ineligible downfield versus the illegal forward pass or whatnot. Or, you know, I know I read something about, uh, you know, defensive players on try for kicks as they're leaping, as they're leverage, you know, where can I find those things? So, yeah, you're right. It's sure. a, thanks for much more enjoyable, especially for the 
I would think even some of the newer officials even have a more frustrating time than some of us do that should know, sometimes should know the rules better than what we actually do. You know, the other thing sure. I'd like to point out too, and uh, fortunately my umpire on the crew pointed it out to me, he sent me an email, but you know, Referee Magazine now has the, you know, you can sign up for the case book play of the, of the, of the day. For sure. So every day, every day now they send us a, just a real simple case book play. And I've done them now for almost a month. And so every day I get one. It's really a nice way to, uh, easy way to study the rules and refresh our memories, you know, uh, long before the season starts. And what I really like about those plays, I really applaud Referee Magazine for doing them, is that they are, they're more the basic plays. It's not, you know, we have three fouls and six different situations that occurred or they bring up all these ones that are these what ifs we talk about meetings that happen once every 10 years. It's a real steady things that occur, you know, can occur, you know, multiple times during the course of the season. So for those uh, folks that listen to the podcast, it's a great little tool right now that, you know, usually we do them in under a minute, so it doesn't take much time. But it's a nice refresher to, uh, you know, going into the season that hopefully, you know, we'll all be able to have. Yeah, no, I agree. I, I subscribe to those as well, and, and I look forward. They come in. They come in every night about ten o'clock usually, and and I, I look forward to either hitting them then or hitting them in the morning and just going through them. I've got one. I've got them coming in for football and for soccer. Um, and and you're right. The the, the they're not the they're not all the unique plays. Some of them are very basic. Um, right. But that's okay too to make sure that not only you as an experienced official know the basics, but it's also for those who aren't the experienced that, that kind of need that refresher on the basics. And, and here's, here, here's a normal situation that 90% of officials are going to officiate correctly every time. But if it brings up that bottom 10%, that that's a great help as well. Yep. Does your uh, women's lacrosse book, does it, does it, I don't, I've never seen one. I know the sure. you know, Federation Boys Lacrosse course that came from U.S. Lacrosse. What's the joy of that book, and you know it from the Nurse of Flag Football book, is we have rule followed by case book in the same publication. Yeah, the girls the girls book is the same way. It's got the uh, it's got the rules and the case book in the same uh, in the same book. So that is I nice. love it. Absolutely yeah. love it because you'd sit there, and especially when I was trying to learn lacrosse, like I'm still trying to do, you know, as you read the rule and you kind of think you know the rule, but then, as you know, right underneath it, you'd have one or two or three cases. And I'll tell you that I wish the uh, Federation would go to that for football where they would show the rule and then right after the rule put the case book in because I think as a result, I think we'd have many more people spending much more time in the case book than we probably do right now. Sure. Uh, that that's absolutely true and 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 probably a good uh, a good implementation if they were to pull it off well uh thank you thank you again dr Mara, for 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 joining today and and talking about this this was something i really wanted to dive into was to get into the gold book i i i think it's a great resource for for all officials and and obviously Take the take what's in the gold book, bring it back to your local association, make sure it fits what your association's looking for. Um, but even if it's not, by reading it, you're thinking about it. And that that is that is also part of it, is it gets you thinking about okay, this happens. How am I supposed to handle it in my association in my state? 
All right. Well, uh, thank you, Dr. Maurer. Uh, I appreciate you you joining today. Um, any any last words before we sign off? No, I've been just I'm starting my forty uh, fourth year. Hopefully this fall, and um, I'm as excited this year as I've been for any other year. And uh, you know, when we uh, walk out on that field, probably for that first scrimmage, uh, you know, we should all be uh, excited beyond just the COVID nineteen virus. But you know, we're we're so blessed to be able to, one, serve the youth of, you know, our respective states. And I think that for, you know, that those few challenges we get with, you know, occasional coach or occasional player, when we look at the big picture, you know, it um, we get so much more from officiating than, we than, you know, than we ever take away from it. And I think we're for really sure. blessed to uh, be part of something this special. And it's amazing is when I talk with people, and they say, well, why do you officiate? Why would you want all those people yelling at you? But I find it to be a tremendous mental stress reliever because many a time when I was working at Ohio State University, you know, I'd be frustrated about something at work or something going on. I'd go out and start to officiate. And very quickly, you know, you start obviously concentrating on the game, whichever the sport. And so often when I would come home afterwards, boy, all of a sudden that challenge or that problem I had, Either one, I had an answer, or two, it didn't seem quite as big. Right. I think from a stress relief standpoint, people don't people have a hard time comprehending that. And the other thing is, too, is I think it helps us to push us away from the dinner table, helps us to go out and maybe walk or jog a little more than we might. But most importantly, I think it keeps us men mentally engaged, and especially with football and, and like lacrosse. I mean, every game is so unique, so different, such a challenge. And we should all feel blessed for having the opportunity to, uh, you know, have the opportunity to officiate and serve, you know, the young people, you know, in our respective state. For sure. For sure. Well, well, thank you again. I, I do appreciate it. And, and hopefully, uh, hopefully we're back there on the field uh, this season. So thanks again for your good. time. Great. Thank you. Have a good day. You too. Thanks for listening to Friday Night Stripes. Show notes and links to all of the episodes can be found on our website at FridayNightStripes.com. Reviews on Google Podcasts or Apple iTunes are always appreciated as they will help us reach more officials. We are always looking to talk to officials everywhere, so if you want to be a guest, please email hello at FridayNightStripes.com. If you have comments, ideas, or want to correct a mistake we made, you can email us at hello at FridayNightStripes.com. You can also continue the conversation by joining the Facebook group, Friday Night Stripes, or following us on Twitter at Friday Night Stripes. Show music is Fight em Down by Flash Fluority, licensed by PremiumBeat.com. We'll see you on the next episode.